Hello and welcome to episode 10. Episode 10 of the First Draft Podcast. Um, episode 10, I, in general, am a big fan of the decimal system and numbers to the root 10 or the base 10, I think I mean, are very pleasing to me. Why? I'm just a basic guy. I think that's, I think you know that by now. I'm pretty basic. So 10 is pleasing to me. I hope it's pleasing to you as well. I hope this will be a pleasing podcast. Um, Where am I? I can hear you. I can hear you bellowing it. It's okay. I hear you. You are heard. Today I'm in London, central London, and I've just got off a train to Waterloo Station. And I'm walking from Waterloo Station, I think north. It may be north-west. But I don't think you really care that much. The fact is I'm walking towards the south bank of the River Thames and I'm about to cross a bridge. The Jubilee Bridge, I think, although all of a sudden I'm doubting myself. No, not the Jubilee Bridge. The Hungerford Bridge, I think it's called. The Jubilee Bridge. Maybe that's the wobbly one. I don't know. I don't know and you don't care. I'm walking across a bridge over the River Thames and if I look to my left... You might be able to hear a train rumbling from the north down towards Waterloo Station. If I look beyond that, I can see the London Eye. If I look to my right, I'm actually going across the river now. I can see Waterloo Bridge with some traffic crossing in both directions. There's a, uh, a boat called the Silver Sturgeon. A sort of large ferry-type vessel just departing one of the piers on the north bank of the Thames. I can see the obelisk, uh, which we got huge. I'm talking about the Brits back in the imperial days. We got huge and nicked that from Egypt. They weren't looking after it properly. Properly. They probably weren't looking after it properly. Or maybe they were. They may be nicking antiquities with just our vibe. Well, I know a lot of people feel bad about that these days. I quite like the obelisk standing nobly in completely the wrong place in completely the wrong part of the world Uh, I guess if they want it back they can have it I don't care that much but it's there today and me describing it I suppose will form in future years part of the historical record when this podcast becomes a key document in the story of 2022 Um, how are you? Hello subscribers, particularly hello subscribers, and thank you for being subscribers, thank you for keeping this weird little show on the road. Thank you sort of half in, half out, maybe I'm interested, maybe I'm not, people who have registered their email but not subscribed, do consider subscribing. It makes me very happy, and when you do subscribe, I will send you a signed postcard I've got some new signed postcards See, some of you probably saw that if you follow me on the Facebook and other mind draining soul sapping social media you may have seen that I've got an updated postcard uh, to be honest I think I preferred the old one um, purely in practical terms the new postcard uh, I, I thought I was being clever when I ordered these these postcards I ordered like a fancy finish on the picture of my massive face 
but the, f- the finish on the picture of my massive face is so fancy that it doesn't really hold ink from a sharpie pen very well and my my won't has been to sign these postcards with a pink sharpie well it ain't working so well so recently I've, I've had to be signing the reverse of the postcard and that's a break with tradition and I don't know I've bought some new pens I think we're going to be okay with the new pens why am I telling you this? I don't know. If you subscribe, if you want to actually pay money for this drivel, uh, I'll send you a signed postcard. That's the deal. Okay? Thank you. Now, um, <coughs> excuse me. Why, I hear you bellow, am I going to central London? I'll tell you for why. This is frontline history business. I'm going for lunch with my dear old friend and... Not quite lifelong, but near lifelong mentor, Dr. David Starkey, the OG of Tudor history. Sorry, there's another train really, really close. This one's going south out of Charing Cross. I can't do anything about it except sort of tread water like this while it goes past and not try and say anything too important. Okay, it's, it's, the worst of it is past. This is London, I can't help this. Um, yeah, the OG. I'm good. Uh, I'm, it's 16 minutes until I'm due for lunch with him. So I'm going to catch up on what's been happening, happening in the late 15th century. What's been happening in the early 16th century. Um... What's been happening in the early 21st century? He's always got some opinions on that, and he's not afraid to share them. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of uh, David Starkey, as many of you will know. He taught me when I was 20 years old. He taught me for a couple of terms. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to turn this recording off because I've gone into such an echoey corridor that I think it'll be intolerable. I'm going to come back to you in, in two minutes. Okay, I think we're safe. So, as you walk over the bridge, as you, as you leave the bridge, walking north from Waterloo towards Charing Cross Station, you actually go through this little, like, super echoey little tunnel. And I was going through there, and it would have been echoey and, and quite annoying anyway, but in front of me there are four lads. Are they cool? Not really. One of them's wearing a pair of Yeezy 350 Boosts. But they're a bit old and tattered. Looks uh, like he's had them a long time. They could even be knockoffs. I'm not going to ask. Anyway, they were talking quite raucously and loudly. And the echoing of that was offending my ears, and I thought yours too. Anyway, I'm now free of them. And I'm striding through the forecourt of Charing Cross Station. This is a real tour of London Station. Anyway, look, I'm going for lunch with David. He's a great man. And it's been a, uh... oh my God. You probably heard that. Now, I thought this was going to be, oh my God, look. Okay, so that, we've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous uh, in a way, or the ridiculous to the sublime actually would be more accurate. So having struggled walking behind four lads talking too loudly in the forecourt of Charing Cross Station, I've just walked past... Uh, four young ladies speaking literally in sign language. That's the sort of people I need to be around while I record this. Okay, what are we talking about today? 
Well, on Wednesday, as lovely subscribers will know, uh, I set the customary question, you know, discussion board type thread question. And when I set it, I thought it was, I thought it was super interesting. Uh, it, it, it span out of a text conversation I'd be having with one of my friends about the real moving forces behind global history in a, in a very big sense. I don't mean that in like world history terms. I mean in history with a capital H type terms. And I, I, my, my thought was, and I've kind of played about with this idea for a while, but my proposition was that when we think about the great forces that move history, we can often be a bit too highfalutin, right? We can overestimate, or maybe we can give too much credit for either the nobility or the complexity of human behaviour. That's my, that's, that's my sort of instinct. And my proposition was actually the things that really... Often the things that have shaped human history are more base qualities. And I proposed boredom, drunkenness and stupidity. But after I wrote that, I, think, I, I don't think I meant stupidity per se. I think I meant ignorance. Um... I think the broader the broader connotations of ignorance being lack of knowledge as well as lack of intelligence that was what I was driving at ignorance so ignorance cannot just be like people being dumb it can mean people just not having the right information at the right time I I'd been thinking earlier in the week about uh, Princes in the Tower, Richard III, stuff like that. And, and I remember when I was doing a lot of writing about that topic, it always struck me how the fast-moving events of 1483, when Richard III seized his nephews, Edward V and Richard, Duke of York, and uh, imprisoned them in the Tower, and, and they died, right? OK, I'm trying to make this as neutral a formulation as possible. I often thought that when you tell that story, um, you've, got to, you've got to account for ignorance of or people not quite knowing what's going on at any given moment, not having the full picture at any given moment. Right, I'm now walking through Trafalgar Square, and oh no, this explains what's going on. There's a rally, it's so, so recently in Trafalgar Square... There have been lots of uh, pro-Ukraine <laughs> demonstrations. I wrote about one of these. If anyone read the post about um, going to see Henry V last week, or this week, or whenever it was. Uh, but today, you can hear in the background, there's actually a sort of rally for sign language. That's what it looks like. So you, there's a guy talking on a mic, but there's someone doing sign language surtitles beside him. And there's a whole group of people in Trafalgar Square, below Nelson's Column, like, watching. That now explains why in Charing Cross Station, which I'd just passed through, there were people talking sign language. Everything's making sense to me now. All right, so back to the topic at hand, which was uh, my proposition that the moving forces of history are sort of rather more base than we might often give credit for or assume. And I said that I was going to read out some of the uh, some of the comments on the thread, 
because that's what I do and that's what I'm going to do. So give me a second. Uh, I'm going to pull them up and read them out. And there's a good chance that because I'm talking into my phone, looking at my phone, trying to walk through busy London streets, that at some point in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to bump into somebody and they're going to become irate. And I might even have to fight another human being in the street to defend my honour or even my person. So if that happens, well, you'll hear about it here first. Okay, give me a second. So... Yeah, here we go. The first, you know, one of the rules of historical discourse, I think, is that almost any topic can be brought back to Henry VIII. And I say that uh, with affection, uh, because Lindsay, in answering my long question about what are the moving forces of history, got straight in there. She says, I think most of the things Henry VIII did can be attributed to stupidity, boredom, drunkenness, horniness envy and greed certainly a combination of many of those things at different points and i think that's um i think that's like quite funny i also think uh it's maybe partially true but i think that there's something else going on in that observation as well and that, that what i think is going on is this is that maybe what we're saying is the proposition that it's things like boredom drunkenness and stupidity that move history are maybe that's more true a in political systems where agency and power are concentrated in the hands of individuals to a relatively high degree right single individuals or dynasties or families um and that's 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 quite true about medieval england in an active political monarchy uh, active political dynastic monarchy, you know, the Plantagenet Tudor England, uh, there's a high degree of sort of force exerted on quote unquote history, by which I suppose we mean political events, by the actions and characters of individuals. So maybe this is a systemic observation and not a generally true uh, observation. Maybe it's a, an observation that is strictly only true about or even close to being true when we're talking about political history as opposed to other forms of history. And maybe it's the case that confirmation bias is at play in that if we are looking at the history of 16th century England through the lens of the ruling monarchs, we are bound to see their character traits affecting history to a relatively high degree. So maybe this is a historiography observation as much as it is a history observation. Do those distinctions make any sense? Am I just wittering on, on and on and on and on and on, long words, high concepts, abstract shit? Maybe I am. Maybe that's what you come for. I don't know. Let's have a look at some more comments. What do we have? What do we have? What do we have? Well, actually, th- th- that Henry VIII thing then became a thread because Ben Arms, I hope I've got your surname right, Ben Arms, uh, Arms with an E in it somewhere, says, I've yet to see the book How Horndog Henry Looted the English Church to Fund His Next Boys Weekend, uh, despite the fact that functionally, brackets, if oversimplified, that's what he did. I think that when you read historical interpretations of Henry VIII, it's all written from the starting point that the guy had a plan 
and was a brilliant strategist on the world scene. So no, his personal traits of stupidity, horniness and greed, etc. are undersold. Huh, well, okay. That's Ben Arms with an ease take. What do you think, guys? What do you think? Right, uh, location update. I've walked through Trafalgar Square. I came down Pall Mall. I'm now in the quiet and somewhat rarefied environs off St James's Square, which is somewhere I come quite a lot because the London Library, uh, which is where I borrow a lot of my books from, and sometimes actually do work in. That's, that's in the corner of this square. I'm getting close to the lunch destination, actually. So I need to get on with it. Um, Roseanne says, humans have never changed. I propose the world would be a better place if run by dogs. They're always happy to see you. Settle arguments quickly and shun any jackass behaviourists until they straighten up. That's a, uh, a plea for a return to a, a tribal form of living, I think. A pack mentality. But I fear that the result of that would be the removal of all social protection for the weaker members of society. I don't know, Roseanne. You seem, uh, you seem to have a little of Anne Rand in you there. I don't know. Kate Barnes says, don't forget spite. Uh, a guy called Dick says, wars start because of erectile dysfunction. And then Dick gets, uh, gets some heat for being called Dick and talking about erectile dysfunction. Yeah, that's the level of historical debates we got to fairly quickly in this thread. Um, pride and vanity, says Joy, proposing some other deadly sin type moving forces. Uh, Jessica Causey, always with the, the fire points in historical debates, always with the firest, firest points. Jessica Causey says, technology changes, people don't. As much as I'd like to think humanity will progress into a utopia, I remember. <laughs> I remember that there are idiots who have filmed themselves getting kicked in the balls. <clears throat> What's the stupidest thing you've ever filmed yourself doing? Why don't you tell me? Why don't you send me an email and tell me the stupidest thing you've ever filmed yourself doing? I'm trying to think of the stupidest thing I've ever filmed myself doing. I did most of my stupid things mercifully before filming shit became ubiquitous because I was born in 1981 and I was a teenager in the 1990s. So when my friend Gummy at school put some fireworks in the zipper of his trousers and set them off, we weren't filming it. We were just pissing ourselves laughing and using our memories to retain that episode and that information. I think that was a better time. On the other hand, in that time, I couldn't communicate with you like this. So, you know swings and roundabouts as they say oh my god I'm going to be late for lunch I'm going to be late for lunch with David Starkey <sighs> yikes I might be grovelling from the outset um, Lydia Rogers says maybe I'm an idealist and too hopeful of humanity but I'd like to think that some history was made from altruistic motives maybe can we think of any historical person or decision that can be considered definitively altruistic or can be definitively considered altruistic? That's a good question. Uh, I was in evidently flippant mood when I read that because I replied, Jesus be like, yo, what's up? That's not how I generally talk. I don't say, yo, what's up? I don't believe that Jesus said, yo, what's up either. Although I'm more certain of the former than I am of the latter. 
people arguing a bit about Mother Teresa. It's, it's a bit of an open season on Mother Teresa now. She's dead and can't defend herself. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, sex and money says Deb. Not always in that order. Thank you, Deb. Get straight to the point, as always. And I like it. Um, Jennifer McGuire says, I'd like to think we've evolved as people over the last hundred or thousand years. That's quite a small time frame for evolution. Although I do believe that we're undergoing a period of uh, of sort of psychological evolution very rapidly at the moment as we effectively fuse human intelligence with machine intelligence in a way that we don't even realise we're doing. That's a subject for another time. Uh, these are my observations now, not Jen, Jennifer Maguire's. Uh, back to Jennifer Maguire. She says, sadly, I think some of us are hardwired by lesser motivating factors than the more noble ones. Of course, there are most definitely exceptions to this throughout history, but we may be giving historically well-known people much more credit than they deserve. Do the motivations discount the outcomes? Would we think less of somebody who made a significant or positive impact if we understood their motivating factor to be something less than noble? My God. We've gone deep, haven't we? I've also, I've got an observation. My observation right now is my question has, has prompted more questions than answers, or rather answers in the form of a question. We're getting ourselves into a sort of history-philosophy debate. I don't mind it, but it's slightly twisting my melon because I've also gone off-grid in my walk towards the restaurant, and I... No, I'm not lost. I thought momentarily I was lost. But I'm now on German Street, the street of London, famous for gentlemen tailors. I'll tell you one story. I've got to go because I'm going to be late for lunch. I'll, I'll close with a story about German Street, where I am now. German Street has lots and lots of very nice shoe shops, shirt shops, suit shops. And in one of them, I went in on one occasion to buy a pair of trousers. I had to wear some smart trousers to go in a, uh, a club for lunch where they wouldn't let me in with my normal scruff bag jeans. Anyway, I went in to buy a pair of trousers and the woman who served me in there, a very nice lady called Yukit Wong, and I knew she was called Yukit Wong for this reason. I think, I've t- I think I might have told my Facebook followers this story before, so forgive me for repeating my uh, anecdotes. However, you may not have heard this. I went in that shop and I said, I need to buy some trousers. And then Yukit Wong and I got into a discussion as to guessing people's sizes just by looking at them. And Yukit Wong said she could guess my trouser size just by looking at me which she uh, accurately did. I said I could guess people's shoe sizes just by looking at them, uh, and I got the guy who works security on the door's shoes about half a size wrong. Uh, I was cursing myself, and I said, Yukit, Yukit Wong, how do you do this? She said, have you never heard the phrase, Yukit Wong is never wrong? I said, I've not heard that phrase. Have you got anything else to back that up? She said, well, I once guessed someone's PIN number when I worked as a waitress in a cocktail bar, uh, they had, a, they had a, uh, a big check and they said they'd give, I think they said they'd give her like a thousand quid or something if she could guess their pin number and she goes and I guessed their pin number she goes what are the chances of that I did some quick maths and I said one in ten thousand uh, she didn't seem as impressed by my mental calculation as I was but maybe that tells a deeper story about me okay listen I've got to go I've got to go I've got to go and have lunch uh, maybe this is the end maybe it's not I might come back to you uh, with some concluding remarks after lunch, or I might not. Let's see, shall we? Okay, I love you all. I love you. Bye. I told you I'd be back. Like uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in both Terminator 
films, both of the first two anyway. What did he say? I'll be back. I didn't say I'll be back, but I hinted I might be. And here I am. Uh, It's now two hours and 25 minutes since I last spoke to you. And all I've really got to say is uh, good times. Good times with the big man. Um, Lots of laughter. At one point, uh, tears welling in the corners of my eyes from laughter. Um, What do you got to remember about uh, my old friend David Starkey is the man's funny. Real funny. Uh, So we had a nice lunch. I had a prawn cocktail followed by a chicken salad, as is my wont. Uh, He, I forget what he had for a starter, but went souffle for the main. Um, We've gone our separate directions. He's gone home for a nap and I've come to the pub for a pint. I'm not going to record any more of this podcast because I think it would degenerate into uh, incomprehensible ranting on my part. But um, consider this a coda. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.